Literature with Nancy Richards. It's FM Literature, and in the second hour, what we have coming up here on the show today, book two, Tosi Van Tonda, is a, she's a dancer. She's going to be talking about her book called My African Heart, which is based on 20 years of her journal writings. There you go. She talks in three voices as a child, as a mother and dancer, and also as her own child in utero, and here she is with me in the studio. Hello. After that, hi. We're going to move straight on, I think. So what we're going to do is we're going to chat to Tosi Van Tonda because she's right here. She pirouetted into the studio. She's a dancer, and she works to quote the dance umbrella site. Uh, addresses the her work addresses the creative embodiment of life's experience. Well, I have to say it's a very creative life that she's lived. As Tosi Van Tonda, aka Nobonke, we're going to be finding out a little bit about that too. And dance apart, she does also write her book. Her latest book is uh, called My African Heart, as I say, based on 20 years of journal writing. Hi, Tosi. Hello, or Nobonke. Mm -hmm. um, let's start with your name, Nobonke. Explain yes. your other name, Yeah, well, that is um, based on the story as well. Um, I met Sandy. He came out of Robben Island, and I left the country, and I went to Namibia in 1988. And um, uh, we met, and uh, I became pregnant, and uh, we wanted to come back to South Africa and allow our child to be born here. And... Um, and he was born in Cape Town and uh, then I was uh, in introduced into Sandy's family and that clan accepted me as part of their family and that's where the name came from. Nobonki means uh, she of all people or we are all together now. I'm getting so many versions mm. of it mm. um, but it's certainly an inclusive name. Mm. She of all people, it's, in English it translates slightly different, doesn't it? She of all people, but it's, it's she of all people. Yeah. And we are all together. Well, Nabonke, welcome too. Lovely to have you here. Thank you. Um, where are we going to start with your book? It's not your first book. You have written a book actually called Nabonke, She of All People. Uh, yes, it, uh, that was the first name um, given to that book, but I retitled it later on into My African Heart. Okay, so it's yeah. one and the same. It's the same book, yes. 20 years of journal writing have you is that physically literally you keeping a, a diary yeah I think the the uh, backdrop to this is that it was extremely difficult to be in a relationship with a black person at that time and um, I'm uh, I'm interested in what goes on in in the psyche of, of uh, our political transformation being a psychologist myself and um, I had to write I think for mental stability I had to write but I also had to dance because there's so much that one can put through uh, through the let's just say the left brain you know where you can think of words to describe what's going on with you but then um, in the midst of such a huge transformation in my own life um, there was also the fact that I was a, a dancer and I am not a dancer uh, who follows any particular regime I actually dance what is going on for me at the moment so um, much of what is in the book is also about the, the kind of dances that I had to do, the movements that I had to do in the presence and in the witnessing presence of Sandy uh, in order for him to see what it was that I was actually uh, experiencing in our relationship. Not always sure what he made of it because it's quite um, uh, undergroundly <laughs> which is what I also call my, my latest uh, dance performance, Cthonia. 
the goddess of the underworld hmm. because one um, needs to understand that uh, you know as we all know as South Africans uh, there is not actually a very easy to trans easy way for us to translate what is going on with us and um, at that time certainly um, where where uh, 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 blackness's politics was very clear it was one one stream that went ahead and we would we all knew that the country was going to move into um, that kind of scenario but but whiteness became extremely complex and I felt what was happening at that time was that that the subjective experience of what it means to be white uh, was has gone underground, and it is still very much underground for me. I think that there's a, there's a very um, important white voice that needs to be heard, um, and uh, there's a, there's a, another writer, um, is it Jacob Lamini, yes. um, who's starting to write about blackness in that 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 way. So yeah. Um, dancing and writing, I must have both of those to to keep me uh, straight and yes, on the straight and narrow. In balance, yes, <laughs> on the tips of your toes. Mm. To put the whole thing into context, you say you met Sandy. Was it twenty years ago? Just just give us a bit of a time frame. What are we looking at? Because as we heard from Imran Kuvadia earlier, you know, South Africa was a very different place, and it keeps changing. It's it's a it's a morphing place. Mm. All sorts of things changing mm. all the time. So when did you and Sandy first meet? We met in nineteen ninety one. Um, uh, I left uh, the country in 88 he left Robben Island in 88 but we both uh, independently moved to Namibia to be out of the country at that time but that is the year that we met and your own history as a dancer have you always danced is it something that came to you with classical training or how did you become a dancer yeah i think that i'm really in the archetypal dancer dance was there before dance existed for me as a cultural form um i also speak about that in this performance that i'm doing uh, because it's based on my archive i've got a, a, a massive ar uh, dance archive that i've just submitted to wits uh, school of arts and um so it's a fantastic consolidation of my whole life um, where I started my first dance training at the age of four and it's never stopped until now and I'm in my 60th year but I do know that I have actually been uh, dancing before I was taken to my first ballet class. Well let's, let's start there with your first ballet class you started dancing at the age of four because your book is written in three voices yes. as a child then as a mother and a dancer and then uh, as your own child in utero. Yes. Tell us a little bit about the, the early years. Well, the early years were very much uh, in the book um, uh, a rendition of what the, the very observant child made of her parents under the era of apartheid. And um, I think that it's, uh, it's, it's, I just extracted every possible memory of my, me of my parents uh, in my writing. And out of that I chose those which would be most uh, accurately depicting a child's observation of her parents as being under such a regime and um, trying to uh, to understand them as such. So there's a sympathetic um, uh, gaze onto the parents right through the book in the forms of letters. I write like uh, to my mother and to my father and these are running chronologically through the book from very early until when I left home. Um, 
Um, are they real letters that you wrote or are they reflection letters, or letters that you've written for the book that you imagined? It was, it was uh, letters that I extracted from memories of my okay. parents. Yeah. Your memories of your, your reflections on your parents, was it, um, were they critical, are they critical in, in the negative sense? I don't mean just critical, you know, critiquing, mm -hmm. but were you critical of your parents' way of living in this country? You know, um, I think that one must uh, follow the um, the notion of uh, Sheldrake's uh, um, that we are we are in a morphogenic field. So I don't think that a child could really be critical mm. of parents because I wasn't politically awake at that time anyway. In fact, I only I only think that I woke up politically in my relationship with Sandy, but um, which was at the age of uh, 30, uh, 33 or whatever. Um, so uh, the, the, the actual thing was redemptiveness um, for the child to look at the parents and to be compassionate to what it is that they were struggling with uh, and at the same time have a redemptive uh, gaze onto them. That was mainly the, 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 the track that I wanted to fo follow in that particular narrative in the book. Moving on to the other voice, which is you as a mother and a dancer, um, were those roles ever in conflict? Uh, uh, as somebody who's an artist, to become a mother as well, uh, d difficult balance? I mean, mm -hmm. for any woman it's difficult. Your, your own life and your child's life mm -hmm. become very mm -hmm. intertwined, but mm -hmm. they can be uh, difficult. Yeah. Um, I do think that, um, you know, I think of my life in archetypal scene, in archetypal senses. Um, I know that I can always just say I'm an archetypal dancer, so I will just never stop dancing because I understand how life outside politics, my mind, philosophy, everything is actually in my body and I can give expression to it as such. Um, but I also think that I, I, th I think specifically because of this particular relationship um, I have actually made myself the archetypal mother as well because the kind of astute um, uh, um, uh, observation of where you place a child who is from a white black parenthood uh, in the world is uh, not something that you can take for granted, not in our country. And it, it just uh, was an added element to my own awakening as to how one needs to parent. That there isn't really a way that you can just let the child be out on the street. That child is a particular social construction that is going to be impacted on by other people around him. So you know the stories that you tell the the manner in which you are engaged with him the, the fact that he uh, and I spoke Afrikaans uh, and still do and he's very critical of my use of Afrikaans by the way and the fact that he speaks uh, closer to his father and is very critical about <laughs> Sunday's accuracy of of uh, that spoken word and that he's out of that given himself Mandarin and Cantonese and absolutely fluent in that so he's really moved out of this uh, let's just call it the, bi the the great binary of our country represented in the, in, in a white black relationship uh, moved into something that is so futuristic and I do think that much of that has to do with the parenting a child needs to actually have really solid parenting in order to be able to reach that far so yes um, I don't think that I could call uh, call these archetypes in conflict with each other but I do feel that 
I I invested in them both quite fr- profoundly yeah. in a sense that I studied them both. You know, I had to go and do gender studies in order to understand what it really means to be a woman and a mother and a mother with these kind of biases floating ar- around me all the time. Um, yeah. Yes, and, mm. and they're generally, they're, and certainly in this case, there were two parents. Mm. So whatever one feels as a mother needs to be in line or at least certainly uh, harmonious with the father did you and mm. sandy always agree on on you having a child is a huge thing mm. it's a life changer for everybody mm. when you've got you know differing uh, v- world views coming along did you always agree on parenting uh, I, I, you know, Nancy, it's a very, very good question that um, I feel um, in... Uh, I, I wish I could just offer this as a as one possible model uh, in parenting, and that is that it's almost Buddhist in its sense, you know, um, that we so fully trusted each other for the way in which we relate to our, our child that we never interfered in it. I mean, still today we could meet for lunch and when Sandy and, and Leolo speak Koza, uh, I have no idea what they speak about, but it's not my business because if there was anything that was worth sharing with me, they would actually speak in English. And so there's that almost a kind of a warrior-like way of parenting, which is fully endowing the person who is in front of you as the one who is now given his whole attention to you and when his eyes turn to the other person it's none of your business so i just love that model i love the 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 way in which we've constructed ourselves as a south african family um from these different backgrounds with absolute reverence and respect for each other's backgrounds Hmm. yeah does sandy speak afrikaans he does yeah and i don't speak great Okay. <laughs> confessions time. We're having we're having many confessions right here on the show today. We're talking to Chossie Fantonda, aka Nobonke, and she's telling us about her book called now called My African Heart. Well, if you'd like to give us a call, oh eight nine two ten twenty ten. Um Chossie, which brings me to the third voice that appears in the book, which is that of your own child in utero. Mm. Now that's a different sort of a Ball game altogether. How yeah. uh, have you done that? The the first drafts of my book was uh, I mean literally by a dear makar, you know. So there was lots of voices on the go, and uh, I I knew that I had to separate them out. I knew that I had to to take the the, the child inside of my own history out into those letters to my parents. I knew that I had to write in the present tense about what I was experiencing while I was carrying this child in utero. But there was a voice that had to rise above all of this, um, which was a a fierce voice um, that spoke the clarity of a futurist South African voice from youth. Let's I'll just say it, youth, but in this in the sense of youth being absolutely uh, crucial about where do you stand in your life, and 
um, because it affects who I'm going to become. But the child also was rising above apartheid because apartheid wasn't really going to feature in his life. So he had a sense of also being highly redemptive towards the parents. He saw them struggling back and forth and trying to make sense of their lives while in this uh, milieu of uh, apartheid still playing itself out. Are we talking about 1993, which is when the book was written? Uh, I mean, the story is taking place in that. So you can imagine we talked about the bloodbath and everything that mm. was going to be terrible. At the same time, Mandela was released and we had no idea how wonderful it could be. So the child was sage-like in that voice. And I wanted uh, um, an, an icon that could hold the wisdom without it being politically correct, uh, without it being uh, escapist, without it being over-pathetic about who we are, without being uh, um, completely rescuing the parents out of their, their, their situation. And I love that voice so much in this book because it is still true. It's still true even now, city, uh, uh, 20, 25 years later. You know, there are quite a lot of, uh, quite a lot of families in similar situations where, you know, the parents are black and white d differently. And a lot of people who, you know, whose child has got those two identities. Do you think in your book it's, it will be useful for somebody else who's got a child in the same situation? Definitely. I think that, um, first of all, you do not give up your identity. That's crucial for me. It's a tragedy, in fact. In fact, for, for me, it was very, very important that both Sandy and Liolo needed to know that I'm a white, I'm an Afrikaner woman, I come with that social construction, it's not going to change. I can simply expand on my understanding of the world. There was no way in which we are going to allow our languages to wither down and just become, uh, you know, falling into the center uh, where the center cannot hold, you know, uh, and everything becomes all uh, a, a mixed bag of everything. That's not great. The, the thing is you need to actually hold your identity strongly, but it's not only your languages. It, you have to have the spirit of what you, what you know of yourself. You've got to come from a history that stands for something. It might be awful, but it's, there's also great things to be said about it. I think the, the thing is we all need to have respect. Absolutely. One another. And we know yeah. how, um, I was just going to refer to Zelda Lechranti and the yeah. difficulty that she got herself into with recent tweets, but let, mm. let's not go there. Your identity principally is as a dancer. Um, and yeah. using the words as you have, that's one whole side of your brain. The other side of your brain is is all about movement. Mm. When you uh, and you you say that you've got um, you've got an archive of all your work. Yes. What form does that take? That was a, a work that I've undertaken <laughs> because I thought, do I just throw all these tapes away? You know the days of beta max and VHS. Okay, they they do di disintegrate after a while, and I was uh, I was looking at it and I thought, do I do I just throw this all away? But then in 2009, I started in the process of digitizing it. So massive amounts of, of, of uh, videos and photographs and posters and reviews are all now in a little box the size of, what can I say, a, re a cigarette box. Mm. <laughs> and that has been uh, given to the archives at Witt's School of Arts. Um, yeah, and I am now doing a performance uh, about that 
as well, specifically addressing the fact that I do still feel that there, even though I've done this whole archive, that there are still the unfinished business of my archive. Well, hopefully there'll always be unfinished business. I mean, you don't uh, want to be putting a lid on something and say, that's it, yes, you might as well just absolutely. leave right then. This performance that you're going to be giving, it's part of the Dance Umbrella. Yes, that's And that's correct. happening on the February the 26th in Newtown. Uh, the end of February, begin of, beginning of March. Okay. And the piece is called what? Cathonia. Cathonia, as you mentioned, Cthonia. goddess of the underworldly. Yeah, it's um, it's the Greek goddess name, the goddess of the underworld, and uh, the place where one needs to go for for one's own renewal. Hmm. <laughs> at <laughs> the age it, of sixty, I think that's yes. Worth I, and just <laughs> lastly, I have to ask you. I mean, uh, most dancers hang up their their ballet shoes at the age of. I don't know, 30, 40, I'm not sure how old Margot Fontaine was, but yeah. some keep on dancing and some stop. How is it for you? Do you, do you um, adapt your dance so that it's appropriate to what you are able still to do? Strangely, it's an it's an, a bit of both because I adapt it, but at the same time, um, it expands in other ways. It expands for me emotionally. It span, expands philosophically. It expands for me in uh, in uh, uh, the darkness of the dance, where I'm relying very much on um, going places with myself where I would never have gone before and that I also think is the, un un uh, the unfinished business of my archive to just still go to places where I've not danced before. Well let me send people to places where they can find both your book they can mm -hmm. find out more about your dance and your your particular oeuvre your website then is tossifantonda.co.za right? and the book is available on Amazon and Kindle and in um, soft and it'll, be, and it'll be sold at your performances and it'll be sold at okay. the performances okay. at, on the 12th and the 13th of March Super, Tosi, thank you, Nobunke. Thank you very much for sharing all of that. I feel as if I've travelled 20 years. Tosi Fantonda, talking about her book, which is called My African Heart. She self-published it, but you can find out more on her website, which is tosifantonda.co.za. I'm actually later on going to put all these links up on our, webs on our uh, Facebook page, so you'll be able to find out all the details, and I will give them all over again at the end of the show.